Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Father, we ask, Lord, that you will guide us through the service. Ask, Lord, that you will lead and will follow Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' most wonderful name we are prayed. Amen. Topic what we are talking about today is test of his love. Test of his love. Now the scriptures, I will start of it is, it is Matthew 23, 23. The Bible says, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and, and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay the tithe of means uh, minimize and whatever it's and but it says and you neglect the weightier matters of the law. Now some people have said, you know, this scripture says that Jesus said should not pay. That's not what he was saying. What he said is that in the law there are weightier issues and there are lesser issues. Weightier issues in the sense that when you do those weightier issues, it gives life to the, what Jesus terms as lesser issues. So, for example, if I'm teaching you about giving, and I, am, I can see that you are, that person is, is stealing, there is no point teaching giving if the money that is about to be given was stolen. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, giving is the lesser issue. The way of life is the major issue. When somebody comes before a, um, a prophet and is living a particular life that God is concerned about and he has come to say, pray for me so that I can go and get that job. The first priority is to deal with the issues of his life. Because one can determine where he ends up in eternity. And the other does not. Does that make sense? So there are weightier weight issues. But that does not mean that God is saying, forget about giving. That's not what he's saying. But what Jesus is saying is that there are ways you deal with issues as a preacher, whatever it is, you must understand what the weightier issues are and what they are not. Somebody said to me once that he was in a church and they criticized him because he was putting on his gado the wrong way. And those that were criticizing know, knew, know or knew then that he was sleeping with another woman's wife. They need to, did not talk about that, but when they saw him tie the gather the wrong way, they, they scolded him. If you were to die that night, which one would end him in heaven? You know, they can even use the gado to tie him so that he can land in the better part of hell. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? So there are weights here. At times people talk about a pastor, you're not addressing certain issues and things like that because, because as the scripture is laid out, there are things that are weightier at a time 
in the hearts of God. God help us in Jesus' name. Now, one of the issues also is that one of the major issues at times is that Christians do not understand what Christianity is about. Christians have no clue what Christianity is about. If I ask a Christian, who's a Christian? Or what is the aim of Christianity? Jesus did not come to make you a better person. His aim was to create you in the likeness of God. That is the because what Jesus came to do is to restore what happened in the first Adam. So the interest of Christ, in as much as he wants you to progress, the end game is so that when you at the end of your life, you become exactly like God. That's why the Bible says that when he appears, we shall be like him. So, the aim of Christianity is there are other side things that happen as a Christian life, but there is the major issue, the summary of Christianity is that when they see you, they see God. That is the summary of Christianity. You may take different paths to, you may, sorry, you may have longer routes to, you may have things and things and here and there, but that is the summary of it. Are we together? So, when you begin to understand what the summary of the scripture, what the summary of, of, of Christianity, where the aim, the whole aim is, then you will have an idea how, why God has placed certain steps in the process. And that is one of the things that when we begin to look at, God begins, begins to talk about his nature. We see in Matthew, sorry, Mark chapter 12, um, they asked Jesus, shall we pay tax? And that was one part of the scripture I, I hope that Jesus has, has answered differently. Jesus would have said, don't pay tax. And I said, Good, but he didn't say that. <laughs> Amen. So, but look at how Jesus answered it. Jesus said, bring me a coin. And he said to that man, he said, whose image is on this coin? And the man said, Caesar. If you notice the response of Jesus, Jesus now said, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give unto God what belongs to God. In that statement, it is easy because Jesus said this coin belongs to Caesar. The question that man should have asked is what belongs to God? Is that a fair question? And Jesus will have answered whose image is on you? He said that coin belongs to God, belongs to Caesar, because the image of Caesar is on it. So what belongs to God has his image on it. So if that man asks Jesus, what, who, um, who, what belongs to God, he will have responded by saying, whose image is on you? 
So we begin to see that God is very, very interesting. One of the things that I, I like this also, I'm just going to, is that I can, and this is where people need to kind of understand that, you know, when there are challenges in trying to understand a couple of things, like for example, I can give you my phone. I can give you my phone, you can keep my phone, and you know, the more you get familiar with the phone, you use it better. You don't need me most of the time to make that phone work. Does that make sense? So also at times, and you know, wrong for you not to differentiate between me and the phone. If you have my phone, I said I have bio. You know that doesn't make sense. But most of the time, Christians do not differentiate between the gift of the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is. People are using the gift of the Holy Spirit and they think they have the Holy Spirit. They are two different people. Sorry, two different entities. So you can have a phone and keep using it and you have Facebook now. How many of us have met Mark Zuckerberg? None. But that doesn't mean you don't have Facebook. You can use the Holy Spirit, gift of the Holy Spirit. You can develop the gift of the Holy Spirit. I have no clue who he is. Because they are two different things. I was hearing someone, someone was saying that, you know, someone would say that the Holy Spirit learned a, a new language. The Holy Spirit did not learn a new language. You, you got another language, not the Holy Spirit. Someone said, ah, the Holy Spirit is, is, is shaking. The Holy Spirit is not shaking. The Holy Spirit is where he is. You are having a gift, exercising a gift. And the problem is that you can exercise that gift without knowing who he is. That's why you can see someone who can be living a way, wayward life and yet be using the gift of the Spirit because he has nothing. It does not, you don't need me to use my phone. As long as you can master it and know how it works, then you are, you, are, you are good to go. That's why some people came to me, Jesus, and said, oh, we did this and this in your name. And said, yes, but, you know, we don't know, any, we don't know you. We have no relationship at all. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So, and that's why the Bible really talks about the nature of God. Second Peter, Second Peter one four, he said, "By which you have he has given us exceeding great and precious promises, through this that you may be partakers of His divine nature." So that means that I am not only to have the gift of God; He wants me to partake in His nature, carry His nature. We want. The whole essence of Christianity is that we become exactly like him. In fact, in Ephesians, he goes on to say, Ephesians 5, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God, dear children. So that means imitate God. I don't know if you know how to, you, you've seen someone who imitates someone before. You know, you act like him, you talk like him. 
So what, why is he saying imitate God? What he's saying in essence is that the whole aim is that you and God will become like you will become one. And the apostles as have ever always spoken about this. Now, one of the ways by which, the way by which God, you become like God is one of the nature of God. God is not loving. God is love. And that's why the Bible says, if you go further to Ephesians chapter 3, it says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, you being rooted and grounded in, in love, comprehend with all the saints, the length and the depth, to know the love of Christ which surpasses understanding. Please look at the next statement. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. So what is he saying is that for you to become like him, you must understand the depth, the length, and the breadth of God's love. The path to become who he is, is that you understand his nature. And his nature is love. His nature is love. If you skip down to Malachi chapter 1, he says, he says God was talking to, to people of Israel. He said, I, lo I, I have loved you, but you say, in what way have you loved us? Now, one of the challenge is that, one of the challenge at times is that, for example, if I told you that going to Lagos, all the traffic was bad. What comes to your mind? Island, Lagos, Nigeria. But you know that we could have a conversation based on that. And you may not understand that I'm talking about Lagos, which is in, I think, Brazil or one of the South American countries. We are saying Lagos, but actually we are talking about two different things. One of the things, why you will get to this point at times is that when God talks about love, people have a definition of what love is. And so, you can be having the same conversation for a long period, but you've not actually said anything. And at times, it's quite challenging when it comes to that. There was a time when I was, when I was talking to someone, and I was talking to them, and the person said, you don't understand, you have no clue. Da, 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 things like that. This thing is not like this. Oh, no, 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 things like that. Okay. And one day, we were having service. And someone went in trance. Someone and um, God said, go and tell that person clue what they're talking about. I said, now the problem is that how do you go back and tell because the person see that conversation cannot go anywhere. <laughs> because to them, they made up their mind that they know. Does that make sense? So when we talk about love, now if you go to and I will just make some statements around love and the way God perceives love. Now, if you go to Osea, he says, Oh Ephraim, what shall I do with you? 
Oh Judah, what shall I do with you? For your faithfulness is like the cloud of the morning and like the heavenly dews. Another version will tell you that for your love is like the cloud of the morning. What does it say? What's God saying? He said, I don't know what to do with you. Because for you, love is a yo-yo. It goes like the way you feel. You know, the weather, he said, the cloud of the morning. What does it mean? The cloud will lift. The dew that goes away, hell in the morning, it, it just, it, it dissolves away. And God is saying to them, saying, well, I don't really understand what to do with you. I don't know how to make this relationship move forward because your definition of love is based on feelings. Whereas God's definition of love is based on covenant. So you see now that it's going to be difficult to match the two. That's why God was saying, I don't know what to do with you. I don't... (laughs) We are having a conversation about love, but the problem is that you are saying love, I'm saying love, but our definition is different. Most Christians are at this point because their understanding of what love is is different from what God sees love to be. God help us in Jesus' name. Now, it's important that we understand this principle because it's the way of payment. That's what I tell I you. Take, take, I, 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 I normally call it. It is the method of payment of help. It, it determines how much you get paid based on what you do. That's why Hebrew says that, it says, it says, for God would not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. So, it did not say just labor. It said labor that is born out of love. Now, Jesus now made, Jesus took everything into a new dimension when he said he made love a commandment. That took it out of the reach of debate. Because commandment is not. Can you say? Can somebody say that? Uh, you know. I killed somebody because I felt like killing somebody. What will you say? But that is God's commandment. Jesus said in Matthew, He says, He says, He says, and Jesus said to them, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul." This is the first and the greatest commandment. So what he's saying is that when I'm talking about love, I'm not talking about, it's not obey commandments, not, not based on what you feel. Because Jesus pushed it at the level of commandment. He changed everything. I used to say to someone, I said, you know, it's Someone said to me, someone, some, someone said to me at time, you are not human. I said, I cannot. It's not, I, people, I, I cannot afford. It, it is not possible. It is not possible. Why? Because it is not 
an advice, it's a command. So, if I, if I would not go and tell God and say, God, you know, I kid that boy because, you know, I just, my hand was just swinging like this. And all of a sudden, I just. If I cannot say that, my, you may say my understanding of scripture, my interpretation of scriptures is very crude. But Jesus clearly said, he did not say this is the first and greatest advice. He said, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And he said, the second is like it. And we'll talk about that. Is that, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he now said this, which for me is just too much. Jesus said, on these two commandments, lie the law and the prophets. What is he saying? You know that in the days of Jesus, they didn't have New Testament. They had the Old Testament. The Old Testament is divided into two. The books of Moses and the prophets. Five books of Moses. So that's why it's called the law. And what Jesus is saying? What Jesus is saying is that for your Bible to function, it hangs two laws. So that means if these two laws are not in place, you're your See, this is the reason why I cannot afford. It, is, it has nothing to do with how I feel. Because this two laws is by which anything operates according to the scriptures. This statement just takes everything out of sync for me as, as a human being, so to say. And we'll talk about because what Jesus basically said is that if you want anything to function, these are the basis of it. I was telling you, that's why I was saying this one. I said, I have people to pray for. I have people that God has put under me by God's grace. It is impossible for me. Except I'm dumb. Because if these two laws are not in place, I can put my leg on your head. Nothing will happen. Except you want to break scriptures. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Hallelujah. Since I don't have them, I would I would use another people, another set of um, persons. Amen. Okay, let's look at something. John chapter 21. 
Jesus said, and I will just spend a little bit of time to, Jesus said to John, sorry, to Simon, he says, he says, do you love me more than this? He said to Peter, do you love me more than this? And Peter said, I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. We will come to that. But after that, Jesus now went further and Jesus began to say that he was talking about, if you go to verse, he says, he says, most assuredly, after he said, I love you, I was, Jesus said, most assuredly, when you are young and you, are, you guarded yourself and walked wherever you wish, but when you are old, you will, you will be stretched by your hand to and sorry, and another will give you God and carry you to where you don't want to go. Jesus said, you know what? Do you love me? Yes, I do. Okay, let me now give you the application of what I'm saying. Is that you will get to a point where you will be dragged to the place you don't want to go. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. I think I'll come to what I ran. Um, that is I'm thinking. Amen. Then we are going to do a uh, question and answer. Amen. Hallelujah. Emma, 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 Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 <laughs> One lunch, end of end of year. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Now, when no, I think I will have the lady first. When did you know about it? How many years did you know about that he existed? Six years ago. Okay. You have seen us somewhere before then. You were Jesus somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I want to I want to illustrate one thing to you. So six years ago also. Okay. You've seen her before without the face. That's why even your the drinks and everything. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. Five years ago, there were things that she would do and offend you for either way. But if she does the same thing now, it will pain you differently. Or deeper. Both sides. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say? Now, what is the difference? Love exposes you to hurt. There is nothing like love that I cannot get hurt. The fact that you say, the deeper you love, the deeper your exposure to get hurt. Does that make sense? Because back home she could do something. Let her get on with her life or whatever the case may be. 
Take your understanding, see. But the deeper the love goes, the deeper your exposure to being hurt. So to avoid hurt, the only way you can do is what? Reduce your level of love and you also reduce your exposure to hurt. Christians that talk about I don't want to be hurt. You can, it does not. That is why when Jesus was speaking to Peter, he was linking his love to his exposure of being hurt. The love that does not is not exposed to being hurt. That love is in meals and booms. I don't know how many of you read this. Amen. Hallelujah. You get what I'm trying to say? That love only exists on the pages of a newspaper or whatever it is. Movie. But for you to love, you have to be ready to be hurt. So when the Bible says your love needs to go deeper, what it's also saying is that your exposure will be greater. That's why I use them as an example. To say that when they met six years ago, whatever anybody did, they did it for themselves. But when you get closer and closer, what did not offend him before, or what did not offend, they could just brush it aside. Could not be brushed aside. Why? Because love brings exposure. God bless you, sir. Are we together? Because until we begin to understand how God teaches about love, you will not be prepared to walk. That was why when Jesus was talking to Peter, he was talking about ministry. And said, Peter, are you going to be ready to follow me? This is the requirement of love that will make you last in ministry. That love has to be exposed to the possibility of being hurt. Hallelujah. Jesus, I love you. Amen. So the only way to reduce your exposure is to reduce your love. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I won't be able to take questions, but would. Amen. God help us. I understand that it's, it's a tricky um, topic and, you know, um, it's, it's quite challenging. But we would get there. You know, that's why Jesus made the commandment. You know, if he said, 
it is how you feel. You're like, ha, ah, I don't feel like it today. But Jesus said, no, before you come back and say, I don't feel like it, it's a commandment. Let's go to the back to that. I want to show you something. Let's go to that, um, Ephesians chapter 3. Yeah. Now, see, I did not understand how you would, you would need, sorry, uh, is that verse 17? It says, if, can I read it from another version, please? It talks about that, the fact that you would you would be, and you would have the power to know the love of God. The power to know the love of God. Now, see, let's go back to that John that we're in. There is something when you walk with Excel. I don't know how many of us do. I don't know if we sleep with Excel. Amen. <laughs> There is something there called transpose. That means a function that, that is called transpose. So that means that when you can have, when you, when you, the next one, you have something straight like this, and you transpose it, it goes that way. So what God was saying, what Jesus was saying to Peter, if you love me, you would feed my sheep. Remember, it did not say your sheep. It said my sheep. So what God is saying, transpose your love you have for me to my sheep. Or else, the day they become your sheep, you deal with them anyhow. But the day they become his sheep, even if they misbehave, I was saying to someone, I, it, I, I was speaking to someone for something for, speaking to someone about something for six years. This person has been arguing. Ah, you don't know anything. You're kidding. The person that came to me a couple of uh, weeks ago, I said, God said, <laughs> God said that, and where is he say, God help us in Jesus' name. Now, so what God is saying is that, sorry, I need to, amen. Okay, oh, thanks, husband. Hallelujah. Okay, let's, let's just, so see, when it comes to love with God, God does not understand. God knows I love him with my heart. God has no clue what that means. In the dictionary of God, there is nothing that God knows I love in my heart. It doesn't exist. The Bible said, for God so loved that he gave. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says, it says, it says, then you shall remember the Lord your God who led you, uh, um, who led you all the way for 40 years in the wilderness to humble 
to humble you and to test to know what is in your heart. God sees my heart. The Bible says, no, no, God doesn't read. <laughs> he doesn't read us. I, I know where you're going. You are talking about David. Some of you may be thinking about David, but God said, I, I look at the face, I look at the heart. Guess what? David was tested. So the Bible says, God will test your heart whether you will know whether you will keep his will, his commandment or not. So basically, God is testing what you are doing rather than with the way you feel in your heart. Let's go down to another scripture as we... <laughs> it says, here, sorry, 7 Corinthians. It says, but I am testing the sincerity of your love. How? By the diligence of others. So God, what he's saying, he's talking about giving. He's saying, I want to test how sincere that love is. Ah, oh, Jesus, I love you. I just say, I don't know you love me. <laughs> because in heaven, we don't say love from the heart. We say love based on what we can see. That's why the Bible says, how can somebody say they love God and hate their brothers? It is not possible. Can I say to you also that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Does that make sense? You can give without loving. Okay, let me just... You know that a prophecy can come out to you now and say, go out and give to 10 people. And yet give out of love, without love. Are we seeing people that, that are giving to people and they throw money at them? They are giving. That's why some people, they will give them prophecy to go and do something, and they do it and say, well, God has no answer. Because <laughs> what is expected is that your heart will connect with your hand. Not the reverse. Amen. Just a couple of things as I, as I just wrap, push this a bit further. You cannot say you love God and hate his people. The scripture says so. First John. You cannot say you love God and not have affection for his house. Scripture says so. Now, this is where definition of what you think love is is different from the way definition of God, what God thinks love is. There are two different things. You cannot say you love God and hate his word. You cannot say you love God and not obey his commandments. Those are contradicting things that God does not understand. God help us in Jesus' name. As I rush down to a couple of things and just show us 
the ben- what God pre- reserves for those who love him. The Bible says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and neither has it come to the hearts of men. What God has destined for those that love him. One of it is Psalm 91, verse 14. It says, 17, sorry. It says, um, Psalm 91, verse 14. It says, because he has set his love upon me. That's God saying. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. He does not need to pray. He said, I will set him on high because he has known my name. Because he has set his love upon me. He loves what I love. Another person will be the richest man in the scripture, Solomon. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3, he says, And Solomon loved the Lord and walked in the status of his father. Solomon loved the Lord. And when you go to verse 13, he says, or thirteen, he says, the Bible says, he says, because you have also, because you have not, sorry, because, sorry, and I also will give you what you have not asked, both riches, honor. Why? Because he, he loved God so much, he, he, he wasn't interested in what belongs to him. Just, I'm just going to just center on as I uh, on David. David was able to gain the throne because of his love for God. This is where you will see the difference between those. No, the, the, I would say the varying degrees of love. When David went to battle, his brothers were there. Goliath was shouting. Why did the brothers not go, and, not go forward to go and kill Goliath? Because nobody wanted to die. But when David came, David said, who is this uncircumcised animal, um, Philistine? Bringing reproach on the people of God. What has he done? He has transposed his love from God to people. And that was what opened his path to the throne. If his love was like his brothers who say, you know what, <laughs> I'm not here to kill myself. He will have settled down for less. He will have settled down for less. And you have it also when you talk about David when he met Saul. Because of my time, I will not go down to that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. It's far down. Matthew chapter 24. No, just slides before that. Okay. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 24. Anyone that can help me read it. Now, the Bible says that that because and I would love every one of us to kind of look at it if you can. Matthew 24 from verse 12 and 13. Because, lo- 
lawlessness will abound. The love of many will wax cold. What is Jesus saying? You have love. But you are now regulating your love based on how people in your surroundings are behaving. Ah, me, I don't want to expose myself to all this kind of rubbish. I don't, me, you see, you now regulate your love down. Jesus said, because, another version will tell you that because of the wickedness of men, people will now begin to reduce their love. Because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will go cold. Now, what's the next verse, man? But, but he who keeps their love high shall be saved. He who keeps their love high shall be saved. I'm going to read the last scripture, which was the Bible lesson. But I want to talk about this man. Sorry, can I have the final? This man was, when he was young, he was in Vietnam. At the age of 16, 16, 17, he knew a bit of English. So this was during the time of the Vietnam War. And he was interpreting for Christians that came around that were preaching, American pastors, whatever it is that came around, he was interpreting for them. So when America began to retreat, they were now rounding them up, and so he was arrested, and he was accused of being an interpreter for the CIA. And was like, I'm a very young boy. I only do interpreting for pastors and things like that. Then Christianity was viewed as a, Christ, a religion of white men. So he was carried and he was chopped in the, uh, what's it called, in a solitary confinement in a very dark room. He was there for a long period of time. So they now began to send him materials to begin to question his faith. He was there for about a year or so until when they released him and they said, you know what, you'll be going out maybe one hour or two hours a day. But what, when you go out, we want you to go to, we will give you what to do. And he said, what is it? They said, you will go and be cleaning the toilet. Now, remember that this is a camp, a military camp. And the toilets there were terrible. People, that were, and we're talking about the Vietnam War and things like that. So, development was not there. What am I trying to say is that the toilet there was like latrines. People just go excuse themselves, and things like that. So he would have to pack all the excretors to one side and wash the place and make it clean. And that was what he was doing. So and he, he began to say to God, do you really, are you really there? If you are there, why am I going through all of these things? 
he was he had so one day when he was cleaning and clearing the tissue papers he found a piece of paper that someone had used to wipe themselves and he took that paper because he saw some letters that looked like english and because he wanted to keep fought, he wanted to keep his english he took it to his room and he washed it he washed it and hanged and put it somewhere. When he read it, it was Romans chapter 8 that was there. And what does Romans chapter 8 say? That is what we read today. What shall separate me from the love of God? He was reading that page every single day. Until one day when they came in and they asked him, oh, you want to escape? He said no. Or he said yes. And, and they kind of pushed him to one side. So he got so frustrated one day and he asked, so they came in again and they said, oh, you, the soldiers said, you want to escape? He said yes. And he said, come out. He said he thought they were going to kill him. He said, they said, you know what, we too want to escape. So we're going together. That was how he landed in America. What I'm saying to you is that in that dark time, in the midst of people's excrescence, his lifeline was the scripture we read. And that was a letter, I believe a letter from God to him. What will separate you from my love? Is there, any, is there anything that you will say, you know what, no, no, this, this is a bit too high for me. I don't want to go down that road. And God is saying, what will separate you from my love? Let's read the scripture together as we pray. Romans chapter 8. This was the scripture that man was reading every single night. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Next slide, please. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that saved us. The problem is that most Christians, this is the part they read. We are more than conquerors. I got to say. <laughs> he has no clue what he's reading. Because if you only pray that we are more than conquerors, when you, when you, when you wake, in a, wake up in a dream and you, you say, ah, they are chasing me. I am more than conquerors. Paul did not use it that way. Paul said, you know what? When I'm struggling, when it's difficult for me to move on in his love, I would do it. Why? Because I am more than conquerors. There are parts of your life, I understand maybe you, maybe you, are, you are at a part in your life that you can see clearly the bridge that seemed to be too far for you to cross. Paul is saying, you are more than conquerors.
Somebody was saying to me one day, somebody said that they were about to pray and God said, pray for this person because they had an issue, whatever it is in their heart with that person. And they just prayed and God came out and God said, no, pray for that person. And they prayed and God said, no, pray for that person. Why? Because God was hitting at something. And before she knew it, she broke down in tears. God said, yes, that is what I'm looking for. Some of us have to be like, ah, I'm, I, 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 I love everybody. No, that's not what God is saying. He's saying, how deep is that love? You want to last in ministry. <laughs> how deep is that love? That's why when Peter stood before him, he could have said, Peter, do you fast? Peter, how many visions can you see? No, the question he asked Peter was one question. Do you love me? Peter said, like everybody will respond, I love you. He responded three times. The Bible says at the third time, Peter broke down crying. Why? Because it's easy. And you know, I, I, I know that my mind is, I know that I, I, am, I am friends with everybody. The Holy Spirit is not asking you questions yet. Or you are avoiding his questions. Because you get to a point that the Holy Spirit will keep asking you and you have no, resp- no other thing to say like Peter than just to break down in tears. And that's what I was saying to somebody, to, to you, about this person. She was, she was praying, and God said, pray, as she was praying. But God knew, that is not what I'm asking you to do. And like Peter, she got to a part where she dare not answer, answer him back to say, I love you. Because Peter knew that question meant a lot. So I'm, I'm not here for you to say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. God knows. And Peter knew that was not the question. What I've just shared with you today is the definition of love as the scriptures writes it. The love the most place that was open to the greatest exposure in this world was God. The person that was hot so much in this world was God. How do we know that? Because he also gave the greatest. Because love would always expose you. And that's what God is saying. Expose yourself. Because you cannot become like him if you keep guarding up. What I'm introducing you today is not the gift. I'm introducing you to the person. Let us stand up.
I don't know if you are here and you know clearly we just finished the school of ministry and God is saying, no, see, if, see, what I was going to preach today was what I was going to preach on the last part of school of ministry. People are already excited and ready to go. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Gather them together. They must answer the same question Peter answered. Do you really love me? And I'm not here for you to say, yes, I love Jesus. Jesus say, no, 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 we don't talk that way. We don't talk that way. There are issues that you need to ask God. Say, God, you know, I need help. I need help to move away from here. I need help to move away from here. I, I, I don't want to just hold your phone and, and have your gifts and use it. I want to know you. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.